Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. So here we are sitting in. I'm sitting watching a hurricane pass and uh, talking to one of the nicest guys out there on the PGA Tour. I've been fortunate enough to uh, hang out and watch him and uh as just i'm traveling around and get to know him a little bit and he's truly one of the nice guys and one of the really really smart guys out there on the pga tour charles Howell the third charles how you doing what you up to well my friend first off thanks for uh thanks for having me on as you mentioned we spent a lot of time uh, chatting and talking together and uh yep i uh obviously we've built a friendship but uh we definitely have uh the love of the game of golf in in common Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, the thing I've always, as we've gotten to talk and know each other, and I mean this in the nicest way, but you're a golf swing nerd. Yes. You love talking about the golf swing. And uh, and I'm always fascinated. I'm very old school and, and very simple in my teachings, but I'm always fascinated to talk to people, especially great players. I think that for me, the coolest thing about doing what I do is I learn more from hanging out with you guys or the players I've had the fortune to teach for sure, than, than they've learned from me, because you guys are so good at what you do, and, and I, that's why I wanted to have you on. I mean, this is, obviously, we get about 10,000 or so people listen to this. Man, I just, I wanted the opportunity to pick your brain a little bit and learn. Well, man, I, I love it. It's, you know, it's funny. The one thing I've learned throughout the years is, you know, we're all different, and right. everybody, we all love the game of golf, and obviously, the goal for all of us is to shoot a lower score, right? So mm-hmm. then we all go about it our own way. Um, you know, I grew up uh, with one of, uh, you know, with one of your students and, and close friends, Lucas Glover. I've known Lucas since I was, we were seven years old. And, right. you know, Lucas was one of the guys that when he was on the driving range, he'd tee that driver up and just smash it with a ton of natural ability, a, a ton of athletic ability. And I'm teeing a ball up on the driving range, wanting to know, okay, how does this machine work? Where do I put this club? Where do I, what do I do all this? And, and now you look, you know, 30, what, 34, 35 years later, you know, we're both on the PGA Tour and, we, and everybody does it different ways. And, you know, like early, a big early influence on me, uh, I remember my dad, who I was, you know, getting serious about junior golf and I was uh, nine years old and he said, okay, well, you know, you love this game and you want to work at it. Well, we got to find somebody to help you. And at the time, you know, the, the name and instruction in golf was David Ledbetter. And right. uh, I Absolutely. remember my my mom and dad and I, we loaded up the old Suburban and we drove from Augusta, Georgia, down to Orlando. And we spent some time with uh, some of David's assistants. And so I learned very early on, you know, with an old VHS tape camera and, <laughs> you know, my – you know, my world existed paint by numbers. You know, we would split screen my swing with, you know, at the time David was working with Nick Faldo and Nick Price, right. and we'd split these. Okay, here's the differences, Charles, and okay, good. Here's a shag bag of balls, and uh, go change it. So, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of how I learned, and it's it's funny. Like, 
it seems like our early imprints last uh, last a career. Without a doubt. And, you know, I, I think uh, when you were talking about the videotapes, my first real golf instructor, Mark Wood, Woody, I'm, I know you know Woody. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I remember going and sitting with him in his apartment or condo in, in Tampa. He was at Innisbrook. And I was playing in college, small college, and he was had all these swings and he was video, you know, and he was pulling up in the dry erase markers on the screen. And that was where I tell people all the time. And I always tell Woody, that was, that's what made me want to become a golf instructor. I don't know what, like, like something hit me. I was like, man, just watching his passion and wanting to help people made me want to do what I do. But the influences of those early people to me that I was fortunate to be around, they're still the biggest influences on what I do. You meet tons of people and you get lots of new information, but those early imprints are so, I think they're so important. And to me, you know, I spend so much time and I think what I love to do the most is teaching and developing juniors. And I think that's why I put so much emphasis on it because I realize that, I mean, if I can make a positive impact on them, not just with golf, but how they are as a person, it's got a chance to last with them for their life. Well, I mean, what you just touched on there, it, it's so important. And I think you see it now in the results of these young players on the PGA Tour. You know, obviously great results really early. So you could say right. Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa. You can throw Matt Wolf in there, Justin Thomas. I mean, these guys have done great things really early and really quick. And mm-hmm. you, you know, not diminishing any of their talent and ability – but you have to recognize they had better instruction at an early age. Correct. And, you know, she, you, I remember Bob Toski one time told me that you're only as good as your information. And it's, you know, you look at these guys and they come out and their, their golf swings are built, they're developed. You know, they, they've been in the gym with the, with the correct, let's say, strength and performance coach. And, and that coach is now working with the instructor, which I obviously I know that you're a believer in that and uh huge, and yourself huge in that. work together. Yep. And and what a massive advantage. Like I remember even going back to my college days at Oklahoma State, you know, Mike Holder was right in you guys are gonna get out of bed at six in the morning and you're gonna go work out and it's gonna teach you discipline. However, once we got in the gym we had no idea what we were doing. So right. it's like, hey, you guys kind of just filter in over there with the football team. And yeah, <laughs> and so you know, if now you look at where even like golf training performance has evolved and changed to, I mean, I look back at some of the things I did, and at the time we thought they were right. And you look back, and you think, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? And right, but but I think so now. Look at how you're working with your juniors and what you're doing, man. These kids, I mean, they'll be set for the rest of their career because of what you and Colby are doing with them, and they won't have to sort of experiment on themselves and go through a bunch of different avenues to find the right way. Yeah, you know, and I say this all the time, too. I mean, you know, Colby is the biggest influence on my teaching in the last, whatever, half of my career because of it helped me it helped me help people that I before wasn't able to help, if that makes sense. You know, you'd have kids or people that, man, you you knew kind of what you wanted them to do. And, I mean, but, man, they had a hard time getting it when they and and, and sticking with it. And, you know, his ability to help people's body be able to do it, plus introducing ways to train players away from the golf ball, away from without a club where you're using bands and different things for them to help learn the motion has been a huge help for me. And, and you're right. I, you know, in fact, I try to encourage that with every, you know, every tour player I work with. I think it, you know, heck, it just works better when everybody's on the same team from my point of view. Well, it, it has to be. And the level of competition is so good. Mm-hmm. And 
and it's I mean, and you see it, right? You see it every week. I mean, guys, yeah. guys are so good, and and they're not just good at let's say one area of the game. They're good at everything. And yeah. with that being said, you can't really waste a bunch of time. Like everything, at least in my thought, everything's got to be towards what's the end goal, and that's playing better golf. And right. so if you have a guy like a Colby, time you spend in the gym, you still know that's filtering into the end goal to play better golf, right? Right. And so, it, it you know, that one kind of, when that one message is intertwined through the whole recipe, then then you can have success. And and my goodness, I mean, I'm. I mean, you see these young guys come out, and now oh, they win tournaments, and they win majors, and it's early on, and it's uh, it's impressive. So I got a question for you. So now you're kind of, I mean, you're what, forty two, forty three, forty two? Yes, sir, forty two, forty two. So you know, you've been out there a while. What would be the best advice? for on or off or on and off the golf course, you would give a young guy, because I have lots of these, I have lots of young folks that listen to this, kids that I teach or kids that I don't teach that have aspirations to play a major college and then play in professional. What would be the best advice you'd give them from your experience? Because you were, I mean, you were highest ranked junior and college player and heck, you've done it all, but you've seen it all. But I'm, I know you you probably look back and things you wish you you knew then that you know now. Great question. And, you know, as part of my answer, I'm, you know, my son is nine and <laughs> he's a, you know, he's a very good player uh, at his age and he's uh, been fortunate enough to, to, to win a bunch of tournaments. So, so I'm actually, you know, obviously working on my game, but also trying to help him. Right. And my goodness, does helping him change my answer to your question? Because I now feel a, at least a fraction of the pressure that you feel when you're <laughs> working with a kid. You know, it's it's not easy by any means, and you know the I think first and foremost is is you you've got to find a way to make it fun, and the right. reason for that is it'll keep them coming back and doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason that no one out here listening to this podcast enjoyed algebra because it just isn't fun, okay? But yet, when something's fun, you want to you want to keep doing it. So, like for example, I'll I'll even see my son. You know, he'll he loves to chip and putt, and and he'll be by the practice green hitting flop shots off the fringe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, initially, I want to cringe and think, "What are you doing?" But that's that's sort of his way to keep it artistic and fun. And I'll you know let him go ahead and keep doing that because that gets him out here and he enjoys it. And right. so that that'd be my first answer is to keep it fun. I think the second answer, and I cannot stress how important this is, is to find him a good instructor. You know, because because it's. It's kind of like you go to a doctor for medical advice. You know, you go to a lawyer for legal advice. You go to an instructor, and then obviously with the instructor, some type of a strength and performance coach, you go to them because that's their specialty. And I think far too many people think, well, I watch this guy. I think I know what he's doing here. I can just help you when in reality, and it may sound a bit blunt, you you can't do it. You've got to have someone there such as yourself and let's say Colby, to train these kids early and get them going. And fortunately for me, you know, my parents believed in that and got me instruction from an early age. And I just think that is so important to start these kids off with proper fundamentals and body movements early that they won't be fighting them their whole career. Yeah, I think that uh, being able to train these young people earlier how to move their bodies correctly I think is a big deal. I, I, don't, I don't know that I understood it necessarily till more recently, but the impact that it has on them, you know, to me, 
there's such an emphasis on power now, obviously. We watched what Bryson was doing over this past week and this year and different things. But, I mean, these kids are getting to where they – I mean, they're all going to be able to hit it that far. And it's because people are like Colby and and, and instructors are, are figuring out how to train these kids how to do things early while they're growing and make them strong. And, and they're able to train them to do it where they don't hurt themselves too. Correct. I mean, and it's – you know, it's all – it's just, it's just amazing how, especially too now with social media and the golf channel and, you know, these kids are exposed to so much and so many yep. different ideas and thoughts that if and when they do have an instructor, the instructor's job also is to filter that information and keep That's them hard. on a plan. And it's very hard to do because, mm-hmm. you know, you got a, like, I even know that, to, you know, they, they fight this at a lot of these junior academies around Orlando where, mm-hmm. for example, they'll see said tour player on Instagram deadlifting a bunch of weight. The kid wants to come in there and do heavy deadlifts. And you're like, now, wait a minute. I mean, is that the reason that player is good or is he good in spite of that? Or is he, is he possibly affecting or messing up something else? So, you know, there, there's so many distractions built in right now that, that frankly, I didn't have, I I didn't grow up with. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't grow up. There was no such thing as social media. So there was there wasn't the golf channel, and and so it was it was pretty easy to stay in your own little world and just right. do your own thing. Now, my goodness, I mean, as much as your job as an instructor, it's also a filter. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, I I think I think it's we're certainly lucky as instructors. I mean, you know, social media in a way draws attention to some of the good things you do. I'm always torn between whether, you know, Charles sometimes between liking it and hating it, you know? Um, and, and I always try to be tasteful in what I put out. I always try to be, I, I don't like to be the guy that every time a guy plays a good round, you put it up there and like, let's go, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, I really try to showcase more than anything, the kids and the young people that are doing really good work. Cause I think it motivates them. But uh, it's it's hard. It's hard because there's so much information out there. And also, like, I think these kids are smarter than, like, I was as a kid. Like, they understand the information more. So if you really don't know what you're talking about nowadays, like, I think the kids know earlier than we used to because they have <laughs> access to all this. It's like you can't BS them anymore, you know, because they can go on through and pull up some science guy that's going to tell them exactly what's going on. Well, it, absolutely. And, you know, now it's funny, you know, you set, you know, you set behind the player, a track man, and then you put, let's say, uh, the, you know, the quad up in front of them and all that. I mean, that right there is going to say enough information where you're like, holy cow, man, I better be right on this. Like, right. You know, I'm really going to stick my neck out there. I better be able to change those numbers in a positive way. And you're right. I mean, there is these accountability measures, right? You could go on absolutely. down the list of, of gears and the AMM stuff and, and all this and, and, you know, but, but also, too, I would say that, you know, all that information and everything out there is, is great and good, but it's just information. And it's the mm-hmm. instructor's job to, you know, boil all that down to say, you know, some player needs to work on and do X. And, mm-hmm. and that isn't to say you won't change that, right? I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think one of the hardest things for the human species to do is say, I don't know, or, hey, I made a mistake. <laughs> so, you know, hey, bud, we worked on this for a while, but let's change this a little bit and let's, let's, let's try, try a little bit more. You know, because as you know, and this is, you know, one of the best lessons I ever learned in golf is, you know, I, I wanted golf to, to be a really, you know, neat thing. I wanted to wrap it up in wrapping paper and put a bow on it and just have every day just be a nice, great day. And, you know, <laughs> when in reality you realize that this game is messy 
Um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard, and it's messy. And some days you drive it great, and some days you drive it everywhere. And those are the days you've got to find a way to score, and, and you've got to find a way to dig deep and do whatever. And, you know, I can't, you know, I can't tell you the number of stories that Tiger told me, you know, a couple, you know, Sundays at the Masters, here he chipped in on 16 to win. Uh, I remember he told me, he's like, man, I was on the driving range warming up, and it was terrible. I mean, it was awful. And he said, I don't know, like, if the TV coverage showed, he said, but I stayed on the driving range extra long. Like, I stayed on there a long time. I didn't really go in and do my normal amount of putting because I was just trying to find something. Now, this is Tiger Woods, arguably the best of all time, on the Sunday of a Masters in the last group. And couldn't, it just said it was terrible. So he said, I had to go out there, Charles, and I just literally played these massive slices all day. And he sucks it up and he wins the golf tournament. And, you know, that really showed me a lesson of holy cow. Like, we, there is still so much of this game we cannot control. You know, our, yeah. our inputs and the things we can control are important. You know, it, it's our drills, it's how we practice, it, it's, it's what we're doing. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, a healthy respect of, okay, it's not great today, but that's fine because that's all part of the game. Let's still find a way to score. And I think that's – I mean, I see that so much in Jordan Spieth, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Spieth, he strikes me as the undersized point guard that, that scores 20 a game. Like, you know, he's he's a gamer, right? I mean, he right. is just – he's the guy that's always going to grit his teeth and get in there and make the best out of it. And, and my, there's so much about that guy I just love. and And it's – like that's what I see, you know, where 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 is as much as we want to have all these controllables and and we can, right? In practice we can control so much, but but when it when it comes time to go on the golf course and play, we have to accept it's it's gonna be chaotic and messy at times. And I think that's one of the marks of a great player though, is it that you know, understanding that you can't control everything and the ability to, to handle whatever gets thrown at you. You know, absolutely. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Bryson's like I, as far as like the his, you know, his idea, like where he's trying to push the game or push himself and to, and like the willingness, like he was already a great player, top 10 player in the world or whatever, before he went on this quest for distance. It wasn't like he was 250. Right. No, you know, no. So, so like the ability to risk all of that uh, because he believed in something is fascinating to me. But yet, like, I feel a little bit like that scientific approach, he lacks a little of that where, like, understanding that everything isn't always going to be perfect. And when it's not perfect, he appears to get rattled a little on the golf course. Well, yes. And, and I think that's, you know, that was one thing. And, and honestly, if I came away from Oklahoma State uh-huh. uh, with one thing better than when I left it, because obviously we, we played qualifying and practice in all kinds of weather from hot and then windy and cold and all that. It was a big appreciation for what you just said. It was, okay, wait a minute. Like, this isn't, you know, every every day isn't a great day. So so we've got to still understand and accept that and find ways just to get it done. And mm-hmm. and the more a player can stay in that mentality, the more they're going to still understand the end goal is a better score. Where, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't, hey, man, you know what, I'm swinging great. Well, I shot 75, but I'm swinging great. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good. So, so how do we transfer and transition all this information and the practice and all the measuring into a lower score? Because that's ultimately how we're judged. Right. And, you know, that's the one thing, like I said, I see in some of these young guys is, is, is the ability, ability to balance all that information, 
to balance all the practice and all that, but still get out there and say, all right, you know what, today i got to go see the low score. And, I mean, look, look what happened this past week, 27 under par. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Well, listen, I, I know you've played, and I've played Hayes Valley. The place ain't that easy. No, I mean, like, you know, you look at some of these golf – and, like, even, you know, Liberty Nash the week before, yes. right? Yes. I mean, like, I walked that golf course, and, I mean, I was like, you know, I mean, this golf course doesn't have that much root. Nope. Like, nope. You know, and, and, like, the scores that you guys shoot on golf courses that, I mean, that, that are hard. I mean, I don't yeah. – I mean, I mean, you've got a few Palm Springs and stuff where there's not a lot of trouble and it's perfect conditions. But, like, man, like – these golf courses aren't easy. You guys are good, and, and it's getting better every year. Well, that's it exactly. I mean, I listen, I'm old enough to, you know, I've been fortunate to play 21 years on the PGA Tour, and I've gone back and looked at what used to make cuts at events and what makes the cut now. And buddy, there's a lot of golf courses where the cut now is five, six shots lower than it was 15, 20 years ago. Crazy. And, and they've only made the golf courses longer. Like, they shorten these things. So... You just look at, you know, I, I, that would be this one thing I would stress to, to all like the juniors and stuff out there, and even I try with my son, is, man, at the end of the day, everything we do is to shoot a lower score and to get so obsessed with how do I shoot a lower score. And and then all of a sudden, you know, prioritizing practice and, and different things of practice kind of becomes a little bit clearer when it's like, okay, when this tee goes in the ground on Thursday, you know, what what did I do and what do I need to do to shoot a lower score? And that, for at least for me, that clarified so much of, of this whole equation. Agree 100%, and that's so good for people to hear. Next question, though, is so your folks took you to see Ledbetter. That yep. was your first. You've seen plenty of the best teachers in the world through your career. Your quest, yes. you know, you're always, you know, one thing I've always been impressed with you, like you're one of those that to me goes – to see and get lots of information, not because like you're in a search for a miracle cure bouncing around, but because you're inquisitive. And yes. to me, there's a huge difference in that. But be, with all of this experience from being around some of the best instructors in the world, what are some of the best things you've learned from them? And what are some of the biggest influences some of them have? So every teacher that I've ever worked with, I've learned something. And I also you know respect each and every one of them because their job as an instructor is brutally difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, even early on in my career with David Ledbetter is, you know, as much as David was a, let's call it a swing guy and a mechanics guy, David's actually real passion was the short game. Really? And I did not so know. We, well, see, a lot of people don't. And because it's funny, you know, in life, once you get labeled something, you can't ever shake the label, right? So, right. So he gets labeled a mechanics guy because of Nick Faldo. Well, then he's done forever. So, so but David, when we did a ton of short game stuff together, and and I still remember and have notes from a lot of that. And you know, and then you know, as as time and technology went on, uh, the time I spent with uh, Grant Wade and Dana Dahlquist, even a little bit with uh, Joe Mayo and Jeff Smith. You know, these guys taught me a lot about trackman, uh, about mm-hmm. how it worked. You know, what's it measuring? What do these numbers mean? Yeah, I remember. You know, I'd seen TrackMan on the driving range down at Champions Gate at Led's Academy, but I mean, heck, I just use that kind of for like driver fitting and you know how far these mm-hmm. wedges go. Yeah, I didn't right. understand what uh, you know swing direction meant or you know face to pass relationships, and then that gets into the ball flight laws, right? Like, holy right. cow, man, I, I kind of had those you know backwards, and you know, so I, I learned a ton of that from from those guys, and um, 
and then Andy Plummer, who I'm seeing now, you know, Andy, uh, obviously a very, uh, you know, similar under, let's call it the Mac O'Grady umbrella, if you right. will. It's, uh, you know, Andy, one thing he's been great at with me is, okay, Charles, it's fine that you understand this. It's fine that you, man, this position here looks better, but if you can't correlate this to a shot, it's not really doing any good. So yeah. what are you going to do? It's going to hit a draw but you can't overdraw this thing. So, so mm-hmm. tell me what are your check marks for that? Or let's go hit a fade, but, man, my goodness, you cannot overfade this ball. Now what are you going to do? And, you know, so, yeah, I've been lucky enough uh, in this whole thing to, to pick something from everybody. And, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the one thing is true, though. Every, every instructor still realizes that the vast difficulty of this game and at some level there is a – a bit of trial and error to get to an end result. But yep. in a way, I look back, that's also the fun part. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part, you know, where you have that. I think it's more fun when you had a stretch where you couldn't figure it out, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there with a player, and it's like, aha. And it's even more fun to me when the player figures it out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so true. I, like, I remember I, I was on the driving range uh at Isleworth one time, and with Tiger, we were he, we were hitting balls, and I mean he would say he's struggling. I'm looking at it, thinking, well, that don't like struggling to me, but whatever. And so we were out there practicing, and the next day he was going to fly up to Firestone. I wasn't in the field that week, but he he obviously was, and he's hitting balls, and finally he looks at me, he says, "That was it, I got it." I'm like what? Well, it kind of looks similar to me, but okay, like well, what do you? No, I, I just felt something. I got it. He goes. I'll win this week. And, and he said it just as assuredly as you say, and, oh, the sun came up this morning. And sure enough, the guy flies up there and he wins by nine shots. And it's just like the, these little moments like that of, holy cow, like, number one, this guy actually thought he was struggling. Number two, even he has these little aha moments, and there you go. It translates right to a win. Crazy. That's an unbelievable story. You know, oh, the guy was something. It, isn't it amazing? So another – so – Look, everybody has times they struggle and that they're not playing their best. And I think most players have things that when they start to struggle, they tend to go back to things that uh, things they do when they're not playing their best that help them. Do you have some things that if you're really struggling that you tend to gravitate back towards that make you feel more comfortable or help recenter you in, in your golf and, and get you back on the path? Okay, so the first thing that I usually get stuck in uh, if my practice becomes way too reactionary. So if I hit it poorly that day, you know, I'll go camp out on the driving range for a long period of time, and I'll kind of neglect the short game. And then, you know, my ball hitting will get better, but then the short game is lagging and won't support it. So I'll, then I'll go to the short game area for a while, then that'll pick up, then the ball hitting will kind of lag a bit. And so for me, usually, it's it's having the discipline to, to keep practice balanced no matter what's going on on the golf course that may be one of the hardest things to do in golf is, you know, if, you know, when you're playing golf, it's just like, it just, for me, it becomes a bit of a ping pong ball where it becomes so reactionary to what I just did that I never actually progress the whole thing forward. I just kind of stay in this loop of that. So that would be on my practice side. And as far as let's say the actual game side is, I, I just, it, it's cliche and crazy to sound. I, I go back to basic, simple stuff where, mm-hmm. And especially with me, with my brain, you know, I'll get caught up in minutia and I'll get caught up in stuff that probably doesn't matter to the end result. You know, so then I, I'll even go up there and I'll just start looking at other players' swings. 
I mean, okay, look, this guy's doing this, but he still shot 65. Okay, this player's doing this, oh, he still shot 64. Like, so there is no, quote, perfect equation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's, it's a reminder of, okay, wait a minute, this, this thing, number one, it doesn't have to be perfect, but number two, it'll never be perfect. So, so let, let's get beyond that and let's get, get back into how do we make this thing a lower score. Which brings me to my last question. So a lot of teachers would say, you know, you're one of our favorite swings, right? I stole those couple swings from you when you were at Fred Rake. I've still got them yeah. on the computer I got in Mobile. So when you look at golf swings, Give me two, three, or four of your favorite golf swings that you've seen. So, I, I love I love Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think he I think he does everything really well, and nothing's kind of really out of whack, out of balance. I just think to me it looks very, very like very standard. I've always been super impressed with him. You know, I also there, there's a lot of pieces to uh, Justin Thomas's golf swing I like a lot. Yeah, I, I think his transition is really good. I think a, a lot of that that is really good. Uh, Grant Wade, I think his golf swing's phenomenal. You know, hmm. I spent enough time around Grant and and watching him hit balls in a video of his. I think he does things really well. Yeah, I think those kind of more of a standard. Then I think certain players like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kupka and Colin Morikawa. I think they prove certain principles, right? So. Like, let's say a guy wants to fade a ball. Well, I, I'd show him those three guys. Are, what are they doing? Oh, wow. Holy yeah. hell, their face is really shut. They've got a re- extremely bowed left wrist. They're really open coming down, right? So like, so that we could say, oh, wow, okay, those are some fade principles, right? If you want to fade the ball, this is how mm-hmm. they do it. And then you'd say, okay, well, draw the ball. Okay, let's go back and look at guys that did that great, a la Kenny Perry or a Tom Wayman. Or, so what are the overriding principles of that? So – I've tried to categorize different guys different ways based on what they do in certain things I'm struggling with. Oh, wow. Let's look, let's look a little more this direction. Fascinating. Awesome stuff. Charles, this has been a blast for me. I know everybody's going to enjoy it. Thanks for one, for taking the time and sitting in and two best of luck this year. I know we'll run into each other out there and look forward to hanging out and chatting a little bit. Yes, sir. Well, my friend, well, thank you. Well, best of luck. And uh, if you're out in Napa, I'll see you there, but, uh, but anyway, enjoy uh, enjoy the teaching in Key West, and, uh, and we'll uh, we'll run into each other soon. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.